Hello and welcome along to episode 84 of the All Things Leeds podcast with myself, Ed McIntyre, and joining me remotely, of course, as always, Charles Foster. Charles, hello, mate. Hiya, how are you doing? I'm uh, quite well, especially after uh, Tuesday night's game. Uh, how are you, mate? Yeah, games like that will, will always lift your mood. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine, thanks. Yeah, yeah, nice one, nice one. Yeah, it's, uh, it was a brilliant game on Tuesday night, wasn't it, from Leeds United? We'll be digesting that uh, game in full on this show, that 5-0 win over West Brom away from home. And we've got some news to go uh, into as well uh, before we look ahead to Leeds United's next game, which sees them take on Tottenham Hotspur away from home on Saturday. And uh, this is the last episode of 2020. So uh, to celebrate uh, the last episode of the year, Charles and I will be going over our top five Leeds United moments of 2020. So, uh, yeah, that should be a lot of fun to go into. Uh, so, yeah, loads coming up here on the All Things Leeds podcast. Well, as always, let's start by analysing Leeds United's previous game, uh, which was on Tuesday evening. Uh, Leeds United uh, thrashing West Brom 5-0 away at the Hawthorns. Uh, Charles, what performance and uh, what a result? Yeah, so it was a great performance, great to watch. Nice, nice, nice and stress-free for once. I think I can, everyone can agree on that one. And uh, yeah, we've been talking about the importance of picking up big results against sides that are going to be in and around at the end of the season. This was very important, and it was just very pleasing to see. Yeah, it really was. I mean, this was not. This was a. A must-not-lose game. I probably would have taken a point, to be fair. But uh, no, for three points, is very pleasing, you know, as you say, against a team who we really should be beating. Um, and yeah, stress-free. The, the first goal coming really early on and just complete domination. It was uh, yeah, just really, really nice to watch, you know, stress-free, uh, which uh, we haven't said uh, too many times, uh, being Leeds United fans. But no, it was just brilliant. Leeds United were brilliant, dominant throughout the whole game. Um, West Brom barely had a sniff. I mean, Messier had not much to do at all. There was that one game in the second half, but he didn't have much uh, to do at all, really. Uh, I mean, the stats just say it all, don't they? Shots, Leeds United are 14 compared to West Brom's four. Six of our 14 shots were on target compared to West Brom's one. 76% possession, 762 <laughs> passes completed compared to West Brom's 238. Our passing accuracy was 89%. Theirs was 65%. Uh, 10 fouls uh, for most compared to their seven, but no, just complete domination, complete domination. Corners 10 compared to West Brom's three. So we kept set pieces down to a minimum, which was which was pleasing. And um, yeah, Leeds United were just brilliant on Tuesday night. Sam Allardyce came out after the game and said that Leeds didn't just outplay us tonight, they outran us tonight too. And we really did, didn't we, Charles? I don't know why they always say that with surprise. We outrun every single team we play <laughs> and we, we outwork it. But the uh, yeah, we did. We were phenomenal. It's nice to see that uh, Allardyce wasn't particularly salty about it, which, you know, sometimes managers like him. Uh, I know I know Neil Warnock would not have taken that one gracefully. <laughs> no, not at all. But, um, you know, an astonishing performance. You know, fitness levels were so good. You know, to say that this was our second game in three days, you know, it's coming... It, at the end of the at the end of the festive fixture period, you know where games are crammed into a short space of time. Fitness levels were superb. Composure in front of goals was superb. It, it was vintage Bielsa ball, vintage Bielsa football. It, it was a it was a big twos up to all the doubters, really, wasn't it, Charles? You know, all, all the media you know, saying Bielsa needs to change his ways. This was just Bielsa saying, "Shut up! I know what I'm doing." I think I saw somebody tweet about 
how it was massively important that Bielsa won this game, won it convincingly, because otherwise every single newspaper and pundit would be spouting off how Bielsa, Bielsa has been found out by good old-fashioned gravy-drinking Brexit lawnball crap, <laughs> <laughs> which is you know fantastic to just see that that's you know completely ineffective and they did nothing. Yeah, it was a, it was a phenomenal performance, probably the most complete one in a long, long time. Yeah, was this Leeds' best performance under Bielsa? There's been some good ones. If you're talking about like a full 90 minutes, I think it's probably up there. But, you know, that second half versus Hull, you know, in the championship, you know, when we, when we won 4-0, that was pretty convincing. The the game against West Brom a couple of seasons ago when we beat them 4-0 at Ellen Road, that was that was pretty, you know, convincing and, and all-encompassing. But this one probably is just because it was... It was just start to finish. There was never any hint of a threat whatsoever from them. The only time, the, the biggest and best chance they had was us messing around on our own 18-yard box, passing the ball to Diagana. And even then they didn't score. And yeah. <laughs> it was one-on-one. So, yeah, it was... It, it was it was completely stress-free, entertaining, and it was just it was just nice to get that goal difference back to zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it really, really was. I mean, that's now 30 goals conceded and 30 goals scored from Leeds United this season. <laughs> the, the entertainers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, as you say, you know, the fact that Bielsa won, you know, to, to shut the doubters up and, you know, just to show, look, entertaining football is the way to go. None of this dinosaur tactics, semi-nice, boring tactics. I mean, I was saying to my dad, during the game, now, if I'm a West Brom fan, I'm fuming. You know, I feel sorry for them because they have to watch that crap every single week. That's what West Brom games are going to be like from now on. Just them sitting deep, and then maybe they'll scrap out. You know, they'll they'll grind out. You know, one nil or one all, or they'll get thrashed like like we did here. I mean, I predicted. Uh, you know, we both predicted it was going to be a hard game, but I said it could go one of two ways. We could uh, absolutely batter them, or uh, they could uh, nick something. But um, no, we, we we absolutely tore them, tore them to pieces, really. And uh, West Brom there. They look a poor side and they're probably going to go down. I don't uh, see uh, any way that they can stay up unless they invest in quality in January because they, they don't have much quality in that side. I told her to do West Brom and I do, I do feel sorry for the fans because they have to watch that crap come from Slavin Village to Sam Allardyce. <laughs> I was just confused, really confused that the. I mean, they didn't play Pereira for whatever reason. He's de- one of their, definitely one of their better players. Carl and Grant, even though he was you know fantastic for Huddersfield at points last season, he never seemed to get into the game. He got kind of you know, muscled out of the game by Struik and Ailing and it was just all very confusing. And then at half time, when the when you four 0 down, you think, well, may as well just chuck some people and have a bit of a go at this. They brought on Ivanovic, who's you know like, <laughs> for, who's like forty eight years old, to stand in front of the park and stuff. Which, to be fair, they were better in the second half. I thought they pressed us a bit further up, and I thought they were a bit, they were a bit. It was a bit more of a contest in the second half, but only because we stopped trying. Basically, <laughs> we just passed it round, and they. They they presses a little bit more. It was other than a couple of moments of quality, you know, after the Bamford chance and that, um, didn't really do much. But yeah, it was it, it's confusing with West Brom. I think, as you say, they they need investment. But if Bielsa had control of them players, their players are arguably of a similar quality to ours. I think we're mm. just tactically set up much better. Yeah, I mean, you look at last season. West Brom gave us some hard games. You know, we drew one all away there. Um, on New Year's we, Day, um, we, didn't, we, didn't sco- and... we, didn't, we didn't score against them last season. All their goals that we got were own goals. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you know, yeah, it, it's just the fact that Samar Dice, you know, it, it shows that you know Bielsa ball is just smiles better than the old, the old kind of uh, yeah, football tactics that Samar Dice likes. And uh, yeah, nothing Samar Dice bringing on Ivanovic, 40 odd year old defender for Matt Phillips. 
It, it just says it all, really, doesn't it? You're four nil down at home at half time, and you take off one of your best attackers for a defender. <laughs> like, you know, it just says it all, really. And um... later on in the game, they took Carl and Grant off a striker, and they brought on Pereira, who I think is is uh, an attacking midfielder. So they yeah. they're taking off their only striker they had on the pitch as well. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it was weird. Yeah, it, it really, really was. But um, now Leeds United were just were just superb. Um, and the most pleasing thing for me was, you know, we both got promoted last season, both West Brom and Leeds, and it's clear to see that we've taken massive steps compared to them. That is the most pleasing thing. We've established ourselves as a proper Premier League side, haven't we? I think we've just got that bit more belief about us and, uh, you know, faith in the system than they do. I mean, because obviously we've taken a few beatings this season, but we've always bounced back and put in some good performances. We've had a, we're the, I think we're the first we're the first team this season to score five goals in, a, in both a home game and an away game in the Newcastle game and this game. So we've just got the belief and the, uh, we know we'll score. We've got the faith in ourselves. They, they kind of look like the, like they're waiting to get beat at, at times. And they need to kind of get rid of that. Otherwise they're going to be in trouble. Yeah, they really will be. But um, no, Leeds United were, were superb. Um, let's digest the game fully, shall we? So the opening goal arrived in the uh, ninth minute. Up until that point, the game was going as expected, really. West Brom were just sitting deep. Uh, Leeds had all the possession, uh, keeping it in West Brom's half uh, for the main. I'm not going to lie, it was quite dull at times, really, was the game. You know, just, just seeing Leeds pass it around and West Brom not really putting us under any kind of pressure. It was, uh, yeah, quite dull at times. But um, no, the first goal... On the ninth minute, it was just an absolute gift, wasn't it? Uh, Sawyer's uh, attempting to pass the ball back to Sam Johnston uh, without looking, you know, without looking to see that the goalkeeper had actually moved way off his line. And yeah, the ball rolled past Johnston and into the back of the net. I mean, well, when it went in, you kind of had to just sit back for a moment and just actually process what had happened because you just couldn't quite believe it. I mean, this was hilarious, wasn't it? <laughs> I laughed out loud. I did. I, I just thought it was funny. I, I couldn't understand why. A number of things. One, why they were trying to pass it around the back, because they clearly don't know how to do that. Because we were pressuring them quite well, but you think of an Allardyce team, they just, you know, hoof it long and, you know, clear the danger. The second thing I don't understand is why Sam Johnson is not even in his six-yard box. I know, obviously, people might say he's presenting an angle for the you know, for the defence to pass to him, but he's clearly not communicated that. He's clearly not shouted that. Otherwise, that if, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, Sawyer's would have passed it a lot more a lot close to him instead of you know towards yeah. the goal. So, but I think Sawyer's mis- making a pass. He has to look and see where he well, is. Yeah, but no, but you can do no look passes if you keep it just communicates. You know why you're facing the wrong way. You know, so you know where he is, and you can just turn around and quickly just send it away. But and then obviously third, why Sawyer's doesn't look up. I mean, he doesn't have much time. Rodriguez. To be fair to him, he's pressing him quite well. But yeah, <laughs> and he puts a lot of pace on it as well. It's not like, I know obviously he's, he's, he's wary of, you know, Bamford maybe pouncing on a on a weak pass, but even still there's a lot of pace on that pass back to a yeah. goalkeeper. But it's just, it's a comedy of errors and yeah. uh, basically g- gifted as the opening goal, which, you know, kind of gave us the benchmark to push on and punish him further. Yeah, it really did. And uh, yeah, it, it was just hilarious. I mean, what, what a known goal as well. 20 yards, 20 yards screamer. Yeah, it was a fantastic <laughs> finish. Um, do you want to know, do you know when uh, Leeds United's last own goal uh, came in, in Leeds' favour? No, you have to tell me. You have to tell in me. In the Premier League. And it was Prem- from William Gallas against Chelsea on December the 28th, 2002. Jesus. <laughs> 18 years ago. ago. 18 years ago, the last own goal uh, Leeds had got. Um 
as, as you say, you know, the, the goal opened it up for us, uh, really. Yeah, Calvin Phillips tried to double lead his lead uh, when he struck the ball from distance, but Johnston was was right behind it. But uh, Leeds, of course, did double their lead on 31 minutes. Uh, a loose ball fell perfectly to Alioski. Uh, he set himself well and uh, smashed the ball first time in off the uh, right-hand post. I mean, th- this was a lovely finish. <laughs> Absolutely lovely finish from Alioski. Yeah, it's just a great finish. It's... Um... Sometimes when Alioski's teeing these up, you, you wonder whether it's going to go in the back of the net or into row Z. <laughs> but, you know, this was just phenomenal. Obviously, it goes in off the post in the end. And he didn't, he didn't give uh, Johnson any any kind of chance with it. He's kind of un- yeah. unmarked to the at the far end of the uh, box. And it's just a fantastic finish. And then 2-0 on, on, and we're cruising, basically. Yeah, it, it was a beautiful finish from Alioski. In off the post, which I love goals that get smashed in off the post. I really, really do. And, uh yeah, well, when you saw Alioski setting, setting himself up for a shot, you're kind of thinking, no, Alioski, uh-huh. do not do this, do not do this. Because how many times have we seen Alioski just sky it in these positions? We've seen him do that so many times. But uh, no, great composure from Alioski in there. Yeah, I don't think he's ever hit a ball better than that. You know, he, he was a fantastic striker, Malioski. He's one at Huddersfield away last season, you know, was a, a bit of a worldie. They hit it on the volley. Yeah. Bamford had to jump out of the way. Oh, that was a great goal as well, to yeah. be fair. And that one against Forrest on the season he joined, you know, that one if he hit from outside the box. But yeah, he's, he's scored a couple of decent ones, but this is this is definitely his best one. Yeah, definitely. This was a, a fantastic strike from Malioski. Uh, I mean, it was 3-0 uh, five minutes later. A fantastic plate here from Leeds. Bielsa ball at its finest here. Uh, Jack Harrison cutting in off the left, playing a nice give and go with Bamford into the box. And uh, yeah, he found the top left corner. Uh, another wonderful finish from Jack Harrison. Yeah, just in the build-up, obviously, Alioski waits for Harrison to make the run and slips it inside to him. But the West Brom midfield are absolutely nowhere to be seen at this point. Obviously, Romain Sawyer's as gifted as the opening goal with the own goal, but he's also not marking anybody in that kind of defensive midfield zone. If you, particularly with Leeds, because we do so many cutbacks and, and you know, cutting inside all the time and getting to the edge of the box. If you're not, if your defensive midfielder's not up to it or is not close enough to the wingers when they're cutting in, then we're going to cause teams all sorts of issues. Yeah, Harrison runs inside, obviously finds Bamford. It's um, Bamford actually megs his, uh, the defender to get it through to uh, Harrison, if you watch it again. Uh, and it's just a great bit of skill for Harrison to get it onto his strong foot and puts it in the top corner. It's just a wonderful goal. It's my yeah. dad's favourite goal of the game, but it wasn't mine. We'll get onto mine later <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it, it was a fantastic strike. And uh, yeah, of course, Lee's made it 4-0 just five minutes before half-time. Uh, Calvin Phillips playing a, a really nice ball out to Dallas on the right-hand side. Um, he nodded it down to Click. Click laid the ball off to Rodrigo, and uh, yeah, his shot deflected in, and uh, Click got a sore eye in the celebrations as uh, Rodrigo poked him in the eye while jumping on him. Click, by the way, did act, did actually go off for Jamie Shackleton in the second half, picked up a slight knock. Hopefully, it's nothing too serious. Hopefully, Click is okay. But no, that was a four 0 at half time. Uh, Rafinha scored leads his fifth goal on a seventy-two minutes, cutting in from the right hand side and curling the ball into the top left corner uh, to grab his second goal for Leeds United. Another amazing finish. Was this the best goal for you? This was my favourite goal, yeah. It was great. The entire move was brilliant. The give and go from Dallas and Shackleton working it through to Rafinha. He uh, leaves Lee Peltier in the dust where he belongs. Cuts inside, left foot, top corner, blinding goal. Uh, It was just everything I wanted. And I wanted wanted to see Lee Peltier, for lack of a better phrase, fall on his ass. (laughs) Rafinha leaving him him in the dust. That was was phenomenal. Yeah, at that point, I was thinking about the goal difference. So I was thinking, right, come on, let's get six here. But, you know, we didn't end up with it. But it was was just a great goal. And I'm glad to see him scoring because he gets in the good positions. And obviously, he's got that, that... that winning goal against Everton, but we need um, we'd lo- I'd love more goals out of him because he's a really exciting player to watch. 
Yeah. I mean, he, he Rafinha is so, so good. He's so excited to watch, full of skill, full of pace. You know, a great finisher, you know, a fantastic goal against Everton, fantastic goal here. You know, Rafinha needs to be called up to Brazil soon because he, he really, really is a great talent. I, I I can see him, you know, he's 23 now, isn't he, Rafinha? Or he could be 24. Um, 24, anyway. I think, now. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, in three, four years, he could be worth 40 to 50 million. Oh yeah, I was I was laughing at um, Ian Wright's coverage. I don't, I don't know if you saw the match of the day stuff where he's basically saying he only cost them seventeen million. You see some of the wingers in this league that have cost similar amounts, and you're thinking, what have people paid all that money for? When you look at other players, I do think there's you know, some players have been sold for just vast amounts of money that they don't do. Don't deserve. But they were interviewing. I think in the Athletic they were going to do. Phil had done an article on Rafinha a bit and, uh, and it's sources close to him basically said that Rafinha decided he wanted to leave Rennes when he realised how low the fee they were going to let him go for. Obviously, it's the 17 mil plus the six, six million add-ons and he felt it was worth more than that. <laughs> I feel he's worth more than that as well. Yeah, yeah so do I. I mean, he, he's better than Rodrigo is Rafinha. He's more exciting to watch than Rodrigo for me. I, I think Rafinha's just an excellent player. An excellent player to watch. This was definitely my um, my favourite goal of the game. I do think Rodrigo gets underappreciated sometimes because a lot of his flicks and turns and stuff, particularly when he when he turns turns the midf- uh, opposing midfielder, he does set us off on a lot of attacks. It happened a mm-hmm. lot during the game where he would, he would receive the ball with his back up to a man, turn him, and we'd be away and we'd end up yeah. you know creating a chance for ourselves. And he does that quite a lot. I don't. I think him and I think he's got the same problem that Click had you know over the last couple of seasons where the kind of good stuff he does doesn't tend to get noticed unless he bangs in a screamer. Whereas, <laughs> yeah. obviously, because Rafinha is a little bit more easy on the eye, he's a bit more noticeable. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, this isn't me, you know, bashing Rodrigo. I, I thought Rodrigo was really good on Tuesday and he is a really good player. But when you watch both Rafinha and Rodrigo, you're thinking Rodrigo's the man who costs 15 million and Rafinha's the one who costs 30 million. You know, Rafinha's such, just such a good player. But no, Rodrigo had a, had a good game here as well. Of course, Rodrigo scored. It was deflected, but no, it was on target anyway. That that fourth goal, I was I, I thought it was an own goal initially, but I think it's just about on target the initial yeah. shot. Yeah, but uh, no, an amazing finish by Rafinha. Definitely my my favorite goal. Yeah, this was great. I mean, it was like Leeds were having their own goal of the season competition in this game. You know, all all the goals really. You know, apart from Rodrigo, because that was deflected. You know, all the goals in this game were were just fantastic. You know, even beyond goal, beyond goal was a twenty yard screamer, wasn't it from from Sawyer's? <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> No, it was just fantastic from Leeds United. Um, first time we've ever scored five goals in a single game at the Hawthorns. Yeah, it was, it was just fantastic. You mentioned there Lee Peltier, by the way. West Brom were in trouble if they're starting Lee Peltier in the Premier League, right? <laughs> I think it's because um, Kieran Gibbs got injured in the warm-up, didn't he? Obviously, Gibbs is ex-Arsenal. He's a decent-ish player. Yeah, but Lee Peltier being your backup is, uh, is scary. Yeah. How, how is Lee Peltier at a Premier League club? <laughs> he's so bad. I was I was convinced before we kicked off before we, I saw us get into a rhythm. I thought he's definitely going to score from a corner. This is going to be the. I, I was convinced Lee Peltier was going to score in some kind of you know. Yeah, I saw your tweet. That's why your at what? is uh, cynical leads because you're <laughs> negative. <laughs> yeah, I am a I'm a bit of a half half glass half empty kind of guy, but you know I'm I'm delighted when I'm proved wrong. I'm 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 more than happy to be proved wrong by a good Leeds performance on it. That's what it was. It was a uh, fantastic from Leeds United, as I say, five nil. Uh, we almost got a sick when uh, Bamford uh, fired just over, but uh, now five nil was the full time score. Uh, Leeds uh, equaling their best ever away league win. It's also the uh, biggest Premier League home defeat in Sam Allardyce's managerial career. Uh, but yeah, back to back clean sheets uh, for Melier. 
Yeah, Messier didn't have much to do in the game, as I say. You know, we mentioned it, there, was, there was that scare in the second half, wasn't there, when he tried to pass it to Calvin Phillips, but just gave it away. But he did. Messier uh, redeemed himself by making a save. Um, who was your man of the match from the game, Charles? It's funny because I'm not actually going to say someone who's, who scored. I'm actually going to give it to Calvin Phillips. I think if you watch the game in its entirety, he was just phenomenal. He was the linchpin of every move. He was constantly making blocks and interceptions and picking up the ball. He was getting, getting us forward all the time. He was just pulling the strings. And I think similar to the Everton game, when he's given that amount of space and time, it can really do me some damage. And I thought he's, he was just brilliant all game. Um, yeah. I think I think, I think you're going to give it to... Did you give it to Alioski in the end? You, you give it to Alioski? No, I mean, Alioski picked up the Man of Match Award from a BT Sport. And, you know, I've, I've never doubted Alioski, have I? Ne- never doubted him. I always thought it was Premier League quality Alioski. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I put out a poll on Twitter uh, asking Leeds United fans for their Man of the Match, as they always do after uh, Leeds United win a game. And um, there were just too many options for Man of the Match because it was just such a good performance. So I put out one poll. The four options were Calvin Phillips, Alioski, Rafinha and Jack Harrison. Uh, but I had to put out another poll by demand. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Luke Aylin, Patrick Bamford, Rodrigo and Stuart Dallas uh, was in the other poll. So in the first poll, Alioski won uh, 56.8% of the vote. Calvin Phillips uh, got 20.5% of the vote with uh, Rafinha with uh, 136 and Jack Harrison 9.1%. Um, and then in the second poll, Luke Aylin won it, uh, 54.5% of the vote. Patrick Bamford uh, with 4.5%. Rodrigo 13% and uh, Stuart Dallas 27%. Um, my man of the match is Ailing. I thought he was superb as the captain. No, I thought Ailing defensively was superb coming out of defence with the ball. I thought it was really good. I, I thought, you know, for a captain, he, he's, he's all you want. You know, I thought I thought Ailing was, was brilliant. Yeah, he was constantly carrying the ball out of defence. And uh, I think it's just kind of symptomatic of West Brom, you know, basically in the first half, not pressing us whatsoever, giving us all, all the time and space in the world. But he was, he was carrying the ball off the half, over the halfway line. He was really keeping it neat and tidy. And just before we finish talking about the game, a big shout-out to Pascal Strick and his uh, second clean sheet and two two consecutive starts. It's, uh, it's just great stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's been phenomenal as well. And I think he, he did the kind of... He outmuscled Carl and Grant every single opportunity he got. When, we, when he had to give away a foul, he gave away near the halfway line. He was properly dominant. And I think... Uh, He's definitely going to be a very good player in a couple of years. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, a second clean sheet in two games is, is very pleasing. No centre-backs, no worries. You know, <laughs> we've got so many uh, d- defensive injuries, but um, no, we're picking up clean sheets and it's uh, it's fantastic to see. And, uh, you know, it was just an, an all-around superb performance from Leeds United. Uh, you know, as I say, 5-0 win, just superb. Uh, the three points moves us up into 11th place in the Premier League table on 23 points. We are now 12 points above the relegation zone. Um, and we are only three points off the top five, by the way, and six points from the top four. So should we be looking looking up now, Charles? Should we be focusing on trying to get a European place? <laughs> I know. <laughs> but let, let's keep let's keep it under that. We're playing obviously Spurs, one of the best teams in the league at the weekend. Should it go ahead, which I think it will, uh, with the class manager Mourinho, and we very well might take another beating uh, if we're not up to the up to the task. So I think we just got to keep on the ground to keep you know stable keep mentally focused and I think we'll be all right I think I, I think the problem is is that we are not good enough to bat you know to beat and batter the top sides in the league but we are more than good enough to beat the teams that I think are going to be below us so yeah. typically we are mid-table and I think that's where we're going to remain but yeah I'm, I'm I'm always going to be delighted when we put in a performance like that. You just got to remain, you know, calm and focused and <laughs> realise that we may yet take another couple of beatings this season. That's that's just part and parcel. 
Yeah, it is. But um, no, when these games come around, it's uh, it's fantastic to see. And um, and yeah, just what what performance, what performance. Five nil win away at West Brom leads ending what has been a great and and historic year for the club, ending the year in style. Uh, but yeah, we of course move on to the uh, Spurs game this Saturday in the new year. Uh, Charles and I will preview that game later on in the show. Well, it was a fantastic performance by Leeds United on Tuesday night, but uh, unfortunately it was somewhat overshadowed uh, by what happened on Twitter after the game. So uh, Leeds United's official club Twitter account uh, tweeted out a clip of what pundit Karen Carney said live on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, she stated that Leeds only won promotion because of COVID. Uh, now, this sparked huge outrage. Uh, people claiming it was sexist and that the club uh, was tagged in her only because she's female. But the club weren't, though, were the child. You know, the club had no intention of making this a big thing. It was, it was simply the club fighting back against just an absolutely ridiculous comment, really. You know, it, it was the people complaining that made it about sexism, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was people misinterpreting the, the tweet and misinterpreting the issue entirely. I'm not saying there weren't some disgraceful sexist tweets out there because there almost certainly were. Yeah, and I was. obviously completely disagree with any of them. But um, I think you should be within your rights to criticise the opinions of any pundit. I mean, with the official club account and all the Leeds fans that we've criticised this season alone, Gabby Bonlahore, Paul Merson, we've... We, I mean, Digital Wilson had a pop at, you know, Niall Horan a couple of years ago. <laughs> we'll literally have a have a pop at it's not to do with gender or any sort of specific reason. It's purely down to incompetence and making lazy assumptions. They get paid a lot of money. We we don't get paid anything when we do this podcast. So we're not held to as high a standard as someone who's been paying been paid a lot of money by Amazon or BT or Sky or anything like that. It were paid to go on there and talk about. It. They need to know what they're talking about, and if they're giving enough yeah. inaccurate or false opinions based on things that aren't true or assumptions, then they're going to get called out about that. I don't agree with people getting personal and piling on at all. And, and to be honest, in hindsight, I wish the club hadn't done the tweet. Not because I don't think, not because I don't think she deserves to be criticised. I think the reaction was just predictable, and I think yeah. it was it has led to something which wasn't really necessary and a problem which didn't need to occur but that being said I do think you should be free to criticise any pundit and I think it's patronising to any female pundits to, to say that oh you can't criticise them at all uh, you can only criticise male pundits I think if, you, if you're searching for equality then, then you are equal in getting criticised yeah. for your opinions Yeah, and, and to be honest there, there are some good p- uh, female pundits I like Alex Scott on Match of the Day when, whenever she's on I think she gives you know a very balanced uh, input mm. and uh, you know informative input I just think with, with this it's just I think she spoke before she thought, and I think it's what she, the the backlash has been unacceptable. Really, the personal stuff and the sexist stuff completely unacceptable. But yeah, yeah, everyone's opinions is going to get criticised on on sport. And Roy Keane gets pelters all the time. Michael Richards gets pelters all the time. It happens to everybody. Gary Lineker gets pelters every day. <laughs> but yeah. you know, I disagree with people having a pop at the club and making assumptions that it's to do with because it's a female pundit, and that's mm. that, that's just that's just lazy on behalf of people of, of these uh, these blue tick journalist accounts. Again, make, making assumptions that the Leeds account is doing something and reacting inappropriately. Yeah, I, I, I don't agree with you know people you know having to go to the club for tweeting. I, I, it, yeah, as, as I agree with you. In hindsight, I, I wish that the club didn't tweet it, and I couldn't quite believe it when I actually saw it. You know, I, I saw the notification come through. It was like for Square Ball, I probably tweeted some fan account, but no, it came from the actual club itself. And uh, yeah, I was thinking just leave it to to the fans to have a go at it. It was 
going around the Twitter anyway beforehand. So, uh, you know, just leave it to the fans half. But, you know, the club tweeted anyway. I don't think it, it was bad that the club, you know, tweeted it. I, I think it's just for club highlighting bad uh, statements from from these so-called experts you know they, they get paid a lot of money as you say to go on tv and you know say stuff you know we we get paid nothing and we put in more research i feel than, than half of these pundits to be honest so um now i, I don't think the club are wrong with we tweet it out but you know uh, i think it's bad that people think that pundits should be allowed to get to get away with you know saying any old bollocks that they want in the words of jamie vardy chat shit get banged yeah. <laughs> it's as simple as that when it comes to journalists and pundits if you insult a football club or, or make aspersions on a football club and that goes to that goes to any journalist of any gender or any race mm. or any religion or whatever if you make comments um i think the, the, the way that the leads can't react to the way it did because they felt it was disrespectful to all the hard work that the club have put in over the last two years the members of staff the players mm. the, the management team to say that you know, all of that and all the good results they got and the build-up, the five clean sheet wins they got prior to lockdown. And then to say, oh yeah, they only got promoted because of this. I think the club just felt like, you know, the, the sports journalism world was kind of sticking an asterisk on their promotion and kind of disrespecting the club's best achievement in 16 yeah. years. And I felt that's why the club reacted the way they did. But, you know, if you're a journalist and you're having a pop at a football club, then you're going to get some some hit back, particularly from the fans. Yeah. Although, as we've previously said, I don't think the the banter was was worth the backlash in this case. And I think yeah. I think if you if you asked Digital Wilson, he'd probably agree that he wish he hadn't tweeted it. Yeah, like if you knew what was were gonna occur after tweeting it, then uh, yeah, don't tweet it. But uh, no, the, the tweet itself, I don't think is is bad from the club really. But um, yeah, no, you, you're putting yourself on you know national television. You know, if you're gonna say some something ridiculous, then you know you're gonna be called up on it. And um, yeah, here it's just taking a turn for the worse. But um, no, Andre Rosani, the uh, owner of Leeds United, uh, did come out on Twitter and said that uh, he takes responsibility for the club tweets. He said, uh, I consider that comment completely unnecessary and disrespectful to our club and particularly the fantastic hard work of our players and coaches whom were understanding of the pitch for the last two championship seasons by all stats. And yeah, it really does just undermine all the, um, all the hard work from the club, really. I mean, telling Leeds fans that you only got promoted because of COVID is like telling Liverpool fans you only won the Premier League title because of COVID. You know, it's completely false information. The comment was was just false because before the lockdown, <laughs> we had won five games in a row and beaten in six. With, uh, was not with, happening. Five, with, with five clean sheets. And then the game we came back after the yeah. supposed three months, we lost, yeah, we, we lost to Cardiff, yeah. I mean, obviously we won nine of the last 11 games. Was it, no, no, it was seven of the last, was it seven of the last nine we won with one draw and one loss? So, I mean, there's an argument to be made, but I think the momentum was there anyway. We built the momentum. The, to be honest, the, the COVID break came at the worst possible time for us because <laughs> we were on a, because we were on a roll. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I can see people are making these basically lazy assumptions without doing any research. But and that, that doesn't just go for Karen Karen. That goes for all the uh, all the blue tick accounts I've seen commenting on it over yeah. the last yeah, over the last twenty four hours. And there's been a lot of them. I think it's just something we have to move on from. And I'd like to d- direct the focus back onto the fantastic mm-hmm. play in the in the West Brom game. And I, I think we should just try our best to kind of put that kind of incident behind us. Yeah, and I think it is uh, being brushed under the carpet now. Uh, thankfully, um, you know, the, the abuse to him that Karen, you know, was completely uncalled for. We do not agree with that at all, as you, you know, as you say, Charles. Uh, the club have contacted uh, Karen personally 
um, and invited her to the training ground to carry out a TV report ahead of the uh, FA Cup third round match against Crawley, uh, which is nice of him, kind of an, an apology in itself there. And uh, yeah, hopefully after that, it's now. Uh, the whole thing has kind of been brushed under the carpet, really. But, uh, but no, it's important to highlight stupid comments, really, because it really wasn't. The club have done it before, you know, with the likes of Gabby Bonnehaw. So, you know, it's nothing new. It's just, um, yeah, this just took a turn for the worst, unfortunately. But, um, but no, as I say, it's important to to highlight poor punditry, you know, because ho- hopefully it, ma- it makes the um, the quality of punditry change. I mean, we-, we praise good punditry, don't we, from the likes of Roy Keane, Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher. As you say, it's nothing to do with who they are, because if it was, we wouldn't be praising ex-scum players, you know, for, for their <laughs> comments on Leeds United. I, f- I find the fact that Gary Neville is such a good pundit kind of annoying because I dislike yeah. him. I, I hated him as a player. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to like him, but I do because he's so nice about Leeds United, you know. It's nothing about who they are and the gender and, you know, the, the colour of, of the skin. You know, it's about good punditry and bad punditry and highlighting when ridiculous comments like these are made. And, you know, it's important because, as I say, hopefully it, it, the quality of punditry changes. I mean, what, what can what can be done, Charles, to, to improve punditry and, and, and analysis? Because is it down to the pundits themselves to do the research or... Is it down to the broadcasting companies to inform them better? Because, you know, these broadcasting companies, they have research teams themselves, um, but they just don't seem to do anything with it. They don't seem to tell their own workers, all right, here, here's all the facts that you need to know for this game. So, so what can be done to improve it, do you think? I think there has to be a higher standard of of knowledge for the for the people who are, who are going on being pundits on programmes for BT and Sky and Amazon and BBC and ITV. There has to be a higher standard of, uh, of just knowledge about the game because there's all... It's all right being an ex-player, but you need to be able to articulate yourself properly and be able to, you know, know your stuff and know the ins and outs and the reasons and the and the relevant stats to the club to the clubs and the games you commented on. And it's not like you don't know about these things beforehand. You know what games you're going to be going to. You know, I mean, you don't know obviously you don't know about the team is until an hour before kickoff, but you know a lot of the details about the clubs. You know about injuries and stuff. So, and you know about you can easily look up you know records from previous seasons yeah. and things like that. It's not taxing work, and as you say. Even if they don't want to do all that research themselves, they can just cooperate with the research teams at the TV mm. companies. So I think there just needs to be a higher standard. I think some some pundits you get on are brilliant. I think Billich is a yeah. great pundit, and Alex Scott and people like that. He were and Ian Ian Wright's a, good, a decent pundit, and Alan Shearer is a decent pundit. You can get a lot of yeah. if you get like you never ask you wouldn't ask Wayne Rooney to be a pundit, would you? I, no. I mean, the, the man <laughs> can barely spell his own name, so. <laughs> <laughs> phenomenal striker in his day but you know there's more to being a pundit than just having played the sport yeah I, I do think you know that there needs to be some level of just knowledge and understanding you know as a base level really but then they just say you know to you know I, I do have some sort of sympathy for pundits because it's very hard to know everything about each single club but you know you know what game you're going to be at just do a little bit of research and then yeah cooperate with the uh, TV companies I think the TV companies should do better to, you know, inform their staff, oh, yeah, th- these are the facts that you need to know for this game. And then if you want to know anything else, just do research yourselves. But, um, but yeah, de- definitely more research needs, needs to be done from uh, from TV companies and pundits. But um, but no, ho- ho- hopefully punditry now improves after all this. Hopefully hopefully it's a big wake-up call. Because watching our analysis on TV is quite unwatchable sometimes with the amount of stupid things that are being said, you know, about, about the clubs that you love. You know, we're fans, we love the club, we we love the sport, and we don't want to hear just ridiculous things made with no real background knowledge of it. No, we don't, and it's, it's it is frustrating sometimes, but I, I think the equally, I think the 
there needs to be more of a crackdown on social media on these kind of deeply kind of hurtful, hateful personal comments. You know, sexism, racism needs to be more of a crackdown on that as well. Because I do think that a lot of what is said is beyond the pale. But as I've said previously, the criticism is part and parcel of, a, of of doing anything like that. I mean, we get criticism and we're not exactly, you know, high, brow, high level of highbrow. We, we get pelted sometimes with stuff we say we've had. Yeah. But yeah, there needs to be a crackdown on on that kind of thing. But Yeah, 100%. I, yeah, uh, but now hopefully the the whole thing with you know Cam and Carney is can be pushed under the carpet now and uh, yeah hopefully um, no no one abuses people like like that again because that that was uncalled for but uh, yeah hopefully the whole thing's pushed under the carpet and as I say hopefully a punditry and analysis on TV changes for the better now uh, but anyway moving on uh, in other news the uh, Premier League uh, have said that they are not discussing the possibility of a circuit break uh, for this season uh, amid a rise in uh, COVID cases in the game. Uh, this comes after various Premier League clubs uh, and managers have said that they want to have the uh, league halted. Uh, now, the health and well-being of, of everyone is the most important thing. And, uh, you know, if coronavirus uh, cases are rising, Charles, do you think a break is probably the best thing? I think it's a bit confusing because the obviously the Premier League has a rule that if you've got 14 fit professional players in your team, you've got to compete. But they seem to be allowing Manchester City and, and Fulham to postpone their games. So I don't know how, how much they're going to follow their own rules there in that extent. But obviously the well-being of the players is the most important thing. But mm. personally, I can't see it happen. I don't think it will happen. And I think the Premier League will leave it down to the uh, the players to take personal responsibility and with their, you know, asking them to, you know, isolate as best as possible, especially if they're in London because the cases are particularly bad in the southeast. But obviously, the health of the players and the staff and the management and everyone there is more is more important than the, the sport itself. And if if a circuit breaker is necessary, then I don't think anyone's going to have a problem with a couple of weeks off and then going straight back to it. But I'm hoping that the uh, the isolated incidents from Manchester City and Fulham are just that isolated incidents. Yeah, yeah. Of course, well wishes to you know any uh, football teams affected with uh, coronavirus cases. Um, you know, if it's going to keep people safe, then yeah, definitely hold the season 100%. Um, but, you know, I can't see it happening really. But, uh, you know, if, if coronavirus cases do keep on rising, then um, yeah, definitely yeah, take a break in the season if, uh, if, if it is necessary. Because, I mean, you've got games being postponed all over the place now. You know, Spurs' game against Fulham at, at home on a Wednesday night was postponed just moments before the game was due to kick off. Uh, you, you can't have stuff like that, really, can you? So if games are being postponed every single week, then... Yeah, it's probably best just to take a break for a while. I mean, it's not so bad when you've got the likes of Tottenham against Fulham because they're both in London and not too far apart. But can you imagine if it was uh, you know Newcastle going away to Southampton and getting told that the game has been postponed after they yeah. travel all the way down? So there's got to be a bit of you know kind of foresight there on behalf of the Premier League. They have got to see that if they think about uh, postponement is likely, then they need to be as quick as possible about it. Yeah, definitely. If yeah, yeah, if you think a game needs to be postponed, then just do it very early or yeah you know if, if it is for the best then uh definitely uh put the season to a halt put a circuit breaker in there and uh yeah just take take a break for a while but um now an interesting development there we'll uh we'll need to keep an eye on that one well to celebrate uh the end of 2020 charles and i uh, will be revealing our top five Leeds united moments of the year so charles will work our way up to our favorite moment um, and i'll kick us off here so number five for me it's quite simply kicking off at Anfield. Uh, the moment our season began, you know, just, just seeing us play Premier League football for the first time in 16 years. So the first time in my lifetime that I can remember, that was just a sur- surreal moment and it had to be in my top five moments. 
I'd probably put that at number number four for me. I think that was uh, that was that was a fantastic moment. And it like like yourself, I I first started you know kind of more regularly going to games. We were well into League One <laughs> League One days. So for, for me, to, if you'd have told me when we were in League One that we were eventually going to be playing away at Anfield in you know in a few years, I'd have I'd have laughed in your face to be honest. Yeah, that was that was phenomenal. And I watched it with me my brother and my cousin, and it was just fantastic to just just come out and give a proper account of ourselves and have everyone realise how how good we actually play and how, how decent we uh, our approach to the game is and uh, the, get, you get the you know the respect I think we we deserve given the style of play that we put forward for me number five is probably that that Luke Ayling uh, the Thunder bastard against uh, against Huddersfield <laughs> which you weren't there for <laughs> no I wasn't that's why I, I had it in my list I'm the, first, I'm the first draft of my list you know picking out all the top five moments and I, I did have it in there but I had to take it out just because simply because I wasn't there <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to be reminded that I wasn't there for that you know it's a yeah de- definitely um a fantastic moment up there you know uh, Ayling's goal in that tuna winner over Huddersfield Town at Ellen Road and um, that was on the 7th of March, uh, can you believe? Feel, feels like years ago. Uh, but yeah, the last game at Ellen Road with fans, of course. Yeah, that, that was definitely a, a special moment. Definitely, um, you know, I wanted I wanted to put it on my list because, you know, it's just a fantastic goal from Luke Halen and a fantastic celebration as well. I love the celebration, the Guitar Hero celebration, but um, no, because I wasn't there, I could, I could not put it in my list. I just could not bear the thought of it. But um, number four for me is quite recent, to be honest. As recent as a uh, as Tuesday night, really the uh, the five nil win over West Brom at the Hawthorns. Um, oh, that's very very recent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just had to put it in there. So originally, the kickoff Anfield on the twelfth of uh, of September, special date now, uh, the first time we've kicked off in the Premier League in my lifetime. But um, no, that was originally number four, and number five was the whole City game because it was just the most complete Bielsa performance. But now Tuesday night tops. That for me, I thought Tuesday night was against West Brom was 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 spectacular. It was the best performance under Bielsa, in my opinion, uh, that I've seen. I think it was just Bielsa ball at its best. And uh, yeah, I had to put it on my list after that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I've, oh, I've I've told you my four. My four is the, the Liverpool game. Yeah, I'll give, you, I'll, give, three, I'll give you number three. It's probably the point we got uh, against Man City because I think it was it was great to actually get a great result against a top class uh, class side because I think there was a lot of build-up about that Guardiola-Bielsa game and I think it was, I was a bit worried that we were just going to turn up and, you know, get hammered basically. <laughs> that, that did cross my mind. But to turn up and, you know, put in a really good, decent decent performance and to be honest, we could have won that game and I don't think anyone would have begrudged us that. So that that would probably be my number three. It was just to see us come, you know, you were talking about first game of the season first game back in the Premier League, but to see us come up and compete against a, a side that's as fantastic as that, that's got to be number three on my list. Yeah, I definitely considered that for my list as well. That was a, yeah, just to get a point against Manchester City is just, you know, phenomenal, a side like them. But um, no, it's fantastic performance from Leeds United and what a game that was, especially that second half. It was fantastic. And I definitely considered that for my list, but uh, number three for me had to be Pablo Hernandez's goal in that one win uh, away at Swansea on uh, the 12th of July. You know, because we were going into that, you know, it was a tough game, you know, against a, a good side in Swansea, away from home. You know, it was nil-nil right until the end. It looked like it was going to finish nil-nil. But no, the 89th minute, Luke Halen bombing down the right right wing, passing it into Pablo Hernandez. And uh, yeah, the finish, agonisingly slow. It, the ball took so long to go into the back of the net, but when it did... Oh my God, the, the, the ever scenes. It was just uh, surreal. It was that goal, really, which, you know, made you start to believe, all right, this is it now, we're going up. You know, because if we had dropped points then and you're thinking, right, we, we may slip back down. But no, it was that goal, really, and that win that, 
really made me start to believe that promotion was on the cards. And uh, yeah, it definitely had to be in my list. I see that's number two on my list because I was I was bored that whole game and I'm thinking there's no way we're scoring here and it got to obviously the 89th minute and I was sat on this sofa at my house and I was uh, I was basically saying to my housemate we've dropped points again here it's a bit disappointing but you know we'll move on we haven't conceded it's been all right and then to get that late huge huge goal to get us promoted was 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 important was really important obviously the bounds of the game is the one where we kind of sealed it even though we played terribly in that game but the the Swansea the moment at Swansea is one that people will always remember as the kind of moment it went from we might do this to this is going to happen yeah it was definitely a, a special moment from uh, from last season um so that's second on your list well second on my list yep. is um promotion night on a friday the 17th of july uh when huddersfield beat west Brom 2-1 at home uh the Emil smith row goal on the 86th minute that won the game for huddersfield when that goal went in it was just an unbelievable feeling because you're thinking there's five minutes left here eh? Huddersfield have won this. West Brom have dropped points. And if West Brom dropped points, we've we, we won promotion. And uh, yeah, the final whistle blew when we won promotion. Going on Sky Sports, seeing the big yellow bar, Leeds United promoted to the Premier League. It was just a special night. A special night. The 17th of July, a day I will never forget. It was, um, yeah, Leeds United winning promotion back to the Premier League for the first time in 16 years. Absolute scenes at Ellen Road. The players coming out, celebrating uh, with the fans, uh, it was just a surreal night, a, sur- a sur- surreal night. And, uh, you know, going into that as well, because we, it, it had come off the back of that 1-0 win over Barnsley at Ellen Road. And even though we had picked three points up there, we got to 87 points, which, you know, that those three points did win us the promotion. But, um, no, it was such a disappointing performance from Leeds. And it didn't feel like we had just won three points to win us promotion. Uh, you, you know, you, you just sat back and you're like, this is awful from Leeds United, isn't it? And it kind of <laughs> ruined, that, ruined that whole moment, really. But uh, but no, when, when Friday night rolled around and, and West Brom uh, lost away at Huddersfield, it was, yeah, surreal surreal moment just to see Leeds United promoted back to the Premier League. Uh, yeah, just incredible. You know, it's what we've been wanting for so, so long and for it to finally happen after 16 years, it had to be on my list. I watched it in a pub where, with my brother, my brother, my cousin, and my dad, and uh, we were just watching it. And when, when the first goal went in, it was just me and my brother there. And obviously, everyone else came in along later. So when Emil Smith Rose scored the second one, scored the winner in like the 87th minute, or whatever, we were all jumping up and cheering while people were trying to eat the Sunday dinner around us. It was really, it was really weird, <laughs> but it was yeah, it was a fantastic night. It's actually number one on my list. It's the it's the only post on my Instagram is the is the is, is pictures of that night. Just really enjoying ourselves, and it was just a fantastic moment. It's just a shame it couldn't have been all we hoped it would have been. Parades yeah. in the street all night in the pubs and things. That, you know, you can't you can't have everything. And we we got, we got the we got the moment. Yeah, we got the moment. Promotion night. It was just a, a surreal night. I was on the uh, All Leeds TV live stream on that night, and I was very drunk, and we just had a, an absolute blast because I, I was staying at home. I was being sensible, uh, staying at home, and um. Yeah, just uh, drinking until the early hours of the morning. I remember the Square Ball were doing a, a celebration live stream. I was sat on my sofa at three o'clock in the morning with a whiskey in my hand, very drunk, watching the Square Ball live stream of a bald man, a naked man, and a man sat in darkness just rubbing <laughs> out Leeds United. It, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a special night, and uh, yeah, this um, one which will uh, I will remember forever. 
Uh, but that's number one on your list. Well, number one on my list is uh, us actually lifting the championship trophy on the 22nd of July after that 4-0 win over Charlton at Ellen Road. Such a good performance over Charlton. Uh, a really good uh, game. You know, you had the, uh, uh, the Ben White uh, volley <laughs> to, to open the scoring. Pablo then uh, put the ball through the legs of a defender to give it to Dallas to set him up for his goal. Juick's fantastic ball out to Pervader to set up Shackleton for his second goal in two games. You know, it was just, just a surreal performance, that final win over Charlton. And um, yeah, to watch Liam Cooper lift the trophy, that's, um, yeah, the, the likes of um, Garner Strachan, Gary McCaster lifted in 1992, uh, you know, the, the exact same trophy there. It's, yeah, just a surreal moment. Seeing Bielsa come out in his tracksuit and a Leeds United shirt on the wrong way round, seeing that smile when he's lifting the trophy and, uh, yeah, that bus parade outside on the road and all the scenes there was just uh, a surreal moment just to see us lift a trophy. It was, um, it was spectacular. And uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely number one on my list. They're uh, just fantastic. I mean, you know, 2020 has been a horrible year for so many people, but for Leeds United as a club and us fans, it's been a, it's been a fantastic year, a, a historic year, winning the championship by 10 points and winning promotion back to the Premier League after a 16 year absence. Plenty of highs to take uh, take away from this year. Uh, so Leeds United in 2020 uh, played 37 games, won 20 of them, drawn five, lost 12, picked up 65 points in total, uh, scored 65 goals and conceded 44. Uh, only one red card, surprisingly. Uh, Bamford, the striker, scored 16 goals in 37 games. Yeah, just a surreal year for Leeds United. You know, it's been a horrible year for a lot of people, but, you know, seeing Leeds United do well and, and win the championship is just... Uh, a lot of highs to take from from this year, you know, as a Leeds United fan. And uh, yeah, it's been a fantastic year. And um, and yeah, there you go. Uh, that's uh, that's mine and Charles's top five Leeds United moments of 2020. Uh, please do let us know uh, your own top five Leeds United moments of the year uh, in the comments section below. Um, or tweet us at All Things Leeds One. Uh, let us know uh, if you agree with any of our choices or why we're just two silly idiots who know nothing about football. Uh, the choice is yours. Uh, t- tell us anything. Uh, uh, but now, there you go. That's uh, Charles and I's top five Leeds United moments of 2020. Well, let's now look ahead to Leeds United's next game, which sees them take on Tottenham Hotspur away from home this Saturday. Uh, the game kicks off at 12.30pm and is live on BT Sport. Marcel Bielsa versus Jose Mourinho. Uh, Mourinho coming up against Leeds for the first time ever, would you believe? Charles, how are you feeling heading into this game? Well, I mean, the events of the last day or so have changed it a bit because Tottenham have clearly had a, a lot more rest. They haven't played a game uh, against Fulham, so they'll have more rested players. They've got, I mean, they've got quality all over the team, really. <laughs> I mean, you could you could talk about it for ages. Obviously, they've got Lloris in goal. They've got Kane. They've got Son. They've got Endombele. He's, he's brilliant. So they've got really good quality players. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Mourinho, he is, despite recent years, an excellent tactician. He's, he's going to figure out a way to probe for the weaknesses of the side and he will hit us on the counter very quickly and if we're not careful. So we have to properly prepare for this one and I um, I hope we're up to the challenge. Yeah, so do I. I mean, I'm, I'm really nervous heading into this game. I mean, Spurs have some fantastic players, particularly going forward with, with Harry Kane and Hyung Min Son. 
you know, Leeds are very, you know, susceptible uh, on the counter-attack and Spurs are probably one of the best teams at counter-attacking, really. So um, I'm bracing myself, really, for for, for an absolute tonk in here. I, th- I think Spurs could do some damage. And, you know, with the likes of Eric Dyer and Davidson Sanchez as well, they're quite good at set-pieces too. So Spurs can target us quite, quite you know, in, in quite a lot of ways. Yeah, we just got to, you know, take the confidence from the last couple of games, clean sheets and defensive solidity and just, you know, cut the odd mistake out, like the, the Meslier one, <laughs> cut, cut any of them out and just, you know, play our game. We play our game like we did, or even, you know, three quarters as well as we did against West Brom. I think we'll we'll, we'll fashion chances for ourselves and our fancy is to uh, potentially put, up, put one of them chances away. Yeah, I mean, could you see the game going quite like the Man United game did? You know, with... with- Quite a lot of chances for either side, you know. Spurs getting in behind us, leaving space. Yeah, I hope not. But, I mean, <laughs> there could be plenty of goals in this game, couldn't there? There could, but I'm hoping it's a bit more. I'm expecting it to be a bit more, you know, slower pace and tactical, especially from Mourinho's side. Oh, we'll we'll see how it goes, but I'm not expecting a you know flurry of early early goals. He says jinxing them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly a fascinating game that this is going to be. Um, you know, I mean, you could see plenty of goals, or you could see no goals. You know, it's a it's a really fascinating game, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, really, I'm I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm I'm excited for it. I really am looking forward to, to playing Spurs on Saturday uh, if it does go ahead. Well, hopefully, it does. Uh, but yeah, Spurs uh, have had quite a good season. To be fair, they've uh, played 15, won seven, drawn five, and lost just three. Uh, the recent form, though isn't too great. Uh, they've picked up just one point in their last three league games. Uh, they've dropped to seventh in the league table on 26 points, three points behind the top four. So, uh, you know, Charles Spurs, they'll be wanting to to return to winning ways, no doubt, and, um, and move back into a Champions League place. So, uh, yeah, well, Leeds are going to, be have to, are going to have to be well switched on to pick up anything from this game. Oh yeah, it's going to be it's going to be very difficult. They're not to be underestimated. They've got some properly quality players who will punish you if you're not careful. Yeah, I'm expecting it to be very tough. Yeah, it's certainly going to be a tough game. But, uh, of course, Leeds go into it uh, with a lot of confidence. Two wins in a row, two clean seats in a row. So, uh, hopefully, uh, we can continue that run of form and uh, keep momentum uh, going, which is uh, very important in, in football. Do you think he'll be a, an unchanged lineup? Of course, two wins in a row, would you keep it unchanged? If everyone's fit, of course. I think you've got to, I think you've got to give faith to the players that have uh, are getting you the results, and I think there's no reason to change it um, unless yeah. there's any kind of change, changes with injuries to say if um, Yorente or Cooper or anyone like that comes back. But even then, I think it's you'd be hard pressed to move Alien out of centre half at the moment. I think he's been phenomenal, really. So we'll see about that. I, I would keep it as it is. Yeah, unless there's any, you know, if there's any new injuries. And then, of course, there will be changes, but hopefully there isn't. Uh, but yeah, if if Lorente or Cooper return for this game, yeah, I think it will be harsh to change up the defence after two clean sheets in a row. Yeah, you know, why change a winning formula? And yeah, I, I can't see Bielsa making changes. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think he'll be unchanged. And uh, yeah, I'll be happy to see it unchanged. You'd expect him to go to the back three, though, because Tottenham do play Harry Kane and uh, Young and Ton up front together. So um, we're anticipating the back three. But, um, you know, personnel-wise, I think he'll be, uh, he'll be unchanged. Now, Leeds United have an awful record against Tottenham Hotspur. Just one win in the last eight meetings uh, with two draws and five defeats. Uh, we haven't beaten them in the Premier League uh, since the 4th of November 2001, uh, where we beat them 2-1 at Ellen Road. Uh, we did the double uh, over them that season and the two previous seasons before that. Uh, but no, the last time Leeds United actually faced Tottenham Hotspur, though, was on the 27th of January 2013 
in the FA Cup fourth round and Leeds somehow won uh, two one at Ellen Road against a pretty strong Tottenham Hotspur side. You know, Gareth Bale were playing, but um, you know they were no match for for Luke Varney, were they? Who uh, who's gone <laughs> in that game? And Ross McCormack's gone in that game as well. And uh, yeah, were, uh, Spurs, a very good Premier League side in Spurs, were no match for Michael Brown and Michael Tong and Luke Varney. <laughs> Just. I can't believe that was ever our midfield. Yeah. It's still, it's still, I've still got scars in my memory from remembering <laughs> them too. You know, flailing about two-footing people randomly. <laughs> dark times, dark, dark times. Yeah. But now I remember that game. I was at that game and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was very good. Very, very surprising, but um, not very good. But uh, what do you see happening on, on Saturday, Charles? Can, can can you see Leeds United picking up any, any points here? What's your score prediction? I'm going to go for a score draw. I'm going to go for a one-all. Yeah, I, I would certainly take a point. You know, we're way at Tottenham Hotspur. They're a good team. I, I'd certainly take a point, but um, I quite fancy Leeds. Yeah, 3-2. Three, 3-2 two. Three, two to Leeds. <laughs> fantastic game it. of football. Yeah. Let's go for it. Hopefully it is, uh, hopefully it is a fantastic game of football, and uh, hopefully Leeds United can start the new year with a win. <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of episode 84 of the All Things Leagues podcast. Thank you very much, as always, to Charles for joining me remotely, of course. Thanks for having me on, mate. No worries at all. Hopefully you have a, uh, a good week and, uh, yeah, we'll catch up uh, in the new year, in the new year. Uh, and thank you as well to uh, everyone who has uh, watched or listened. We really do appreciate the, uh, the support. Uh, if you enjoyed, then make sure to uh, subscribe and follow on whatever pl- platform you are on right now. Uh, Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts as well if you have an Apple device. Uh, share the podcast around as well uh, it really does help us out um, and uh, make sure to follow All Things Leeds on social media we are on Facebook Twitter and Instagram search for All Things Leeds 1 on Twitter and Instagram search for All Things Leeds on Facebook and search All Things Leeds on YouTube as well and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you have not already uh, Charles and I won't be back until the new year as I say uh, Charles have you got any plan to celebrate the new year? Not not plans going out or anything or such like that. I'll just be celebrating with my family, I think, uh, bringing in the new year. So I'll uh, I'll see you and speak to subscribers next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hate those jokes where they say, oh, yeah, I'll see, I'll see you next year. <laughs> no, you'll see me tomorrow. It's just, uh, yeah, different. <laughs> uh, but no, hopefully you have a, a lot of fun celebrating the new year, mate. And uh, I wish you uh, all the best uh, going into you the new year, dude. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to be cooking steaks on New Year's Eve, cooking steaks for the family, and uh, yeah, just drinking, celebrating, uh, yeah, heading into uh, 2021 and saying goodbye to what a horrible year for so many people 2020 has been. I must say, you know, 2020, you know, it's been hard for for a lot of people, but, you know, especially me, myself, you know, mentally. And uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you to you, Charles, and you know, everyone who, you know, contacted All Things Leeds, you know, got, got in touch on the comments on, you know, on social media and, you know, be, be, being interactive with us because it's a, uh, yeah, really helped me. And, uh, you know, looking forward to these podcasts every week and doing all the live streams, you know, at the end of last season, it was something to look forward to. And, you know, I think looking forward to something is is, is important. Um, so, yeah, f- thank you to you, Charles. Thank you to, to everyone else who's contributed in all things Leeds and, you know, all, all the viewers and subscribers. Uh, yeah, I really, really do appreciate it. So, uh, got me through this year. It really, really has. So thank you very much for that. And, uh, yeah, hopefully 2021, um, hopefully 2021 uh, is a lot better than 2020. Uh, but yeah, we, we will see you uh, until the new year. So uh, for now, take care, stay healthy, stay safe and have a happy new year. <laughs>